I want you to hit me as hard as you can. This yellow-haired warrior goddess has proven that she can kick some serious butt. Uma Thurman is an extremely talented actress whose filmography is full of amazing movies. She is known for bringing to life larger-than-life characters and becoming a muse for some of the greatest filmmakers of all time. Tarantino, Gilliam, Van Zant, Von Trier, Linkletter, Frears, Woody Allen, and more. And she's even a Fallout Boy song. She wants to dance like and I can't get you out of my head. This uniquely glamorous queen of the screen was the talk of the town for years, always challenging herself and always surprising moviegoers, and never settling on a normal character. But it seems like the Uma party has slowed down a bit. Is the era of Uma over? The Uma era? Will she ever rise up again from her cinematic slump? Is she even in a cinematic slump? Will there ever be a Kill Bill Volume 3? Or a Nymphomaniac Volume 3? Does she need a big comeback needle injected straight into her heart? Or is she fine just doing her thing? I will try my best to somewhat answer some of those questions as we find out what the f happened to Uma Thurman. Hi there. In order to truly understand what the f*** happened to Madame Thurman, we must start at the beginning. And I guess Uma biologically began with her parents. Her mother was a model and the ex-wife of LSD guru Timothy Leary. And her father was the first gringo to become a Tibetan monk. Those two crazy lovebirds were destined to create a wild child like Uma. And they did. And she was born on her birthday. Young Uma Thurman was bullied by the brats she went to school with, and Uma would escape their torment through the school's acting program. Cause nothing stops bullies like the power of theater. And then she became a professional model at the age of 15, well before the age of Instagram. Hashtag no filter. 1984 was huge for the career of Uma, the year, not the book. And at the age of 17, young Uma was flown to Rome to act in Terry Gilliam's outrageous extravaganza of a movie, The Adventures of Baron Munchausen. And of course, Uma was perfectly cast as Venus, the goddess of love. Her beauty has been described as otherworldly by beauty experts. This was her first role from her first audition, which is practically unheard of in the industry. But Uma, she did it. She learned young that Holly Weird makes you show your skin to get ahead in the biz. And early in her career, Uma definitely showed her fair share. Which we can't show you here, cause... Cause it's YouTube, and... And she's like 17. Right? Is that legal? I, okay, moving on. Hello. After shooting Munchausen, she hit the road running and appeared in three more films that year. One was something called Kiss Daddy Goodnight, and nobody saw it. Nobody kissed Daddy Goodnight. Poor Daddy. She also joined in on the second string Brat Pack with the film Johnny Be Good. She plays the love interest of Mr. Johnny Be Good, and Anthony Michael Hall plays Johnny Be Good. He's a cool high school football hotshot, breaking type as the high school nerd. And there's a young Robert Downey Jr. as the fun-loving friend. This 80s teen comedy was filmed in my hometown, San Antonio, 
Tejas, and film nerds from all around the world slowly drive past this high school football field as they admire this historical cinematic location to this forgettable film. But this movie has some fun 80s comedy charm that never fails if you put on those nostalgia goggles. Those nostalgia goggles come in handy. You want to know my favorite part of Johnny Be Good? It's when Uma Thurman told Johnny Be Good to be good. She was like, Johnny, be good. Then came her breakthrough performance when she worked with director Stephen Frears in Dangerous Liaisons. The film did alright at the box office, but the critics really enjoyed themselves with this one. Maybe the critics enjoyed this erotic thriller a little too much. You dirty, dirty critics, you. Then came Henry and June, another film for those dirty, dirty critics. They liked it a lot. Uma was praised for her performance in this erotic motion picture. Her sex scenes actually created the NC-17 rating. So... That's an accomplishment. She was also in a Robin Hood movie in 1991, but her thunder was stolen by the Prince of Thieves himself, Kevin Costner, who also made a Robin Hood movie in 1991. Then Miss Uma met and fell in love with actor Gary Oldman. I mean, how could you not? The two married and the relationship was rocky from the beginning. Now, she didn't marry the Gary Oldman we know today. No, 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 this wasn't the humble old man, Oldman. This was the wild and crazy young man, Oldman. It seems like early 90s Gary Oldman was plagued with anger and substance abuse problems. And apparently he has since turned his life around, but back then he was pretty much like his character in Leon the Professional. Or more like Sid Vicious, actually. Or, or even the guy from The Fifth Element. Everyone! Gary Oldman was out of control. Not very good husband material. And Uma got out of that Gary love trap as soon as she could and divorced him 18 months later. But none of this ever slowed Uma down. She kept working on films and held her own alongside some of Hollywood's strongest leading men of the time. Like in the film Final Analysis with her fellow Buddhist, Richard Gere, and Mad Dog in Glory with Robert De Niro and Bill Murray which was unfortunately considered a flop. In 1994, she worked with the arthouse weirdo genius Gus Van Zandt on the film Even Cowgirls Get the Blues. Uma plays a bisexual hitchhiker with gigantic thumbs. And this picture was all frosting and no cake, according to film critic Gene Siskel, who was never wrong. And he also called the film a disappointment. Even though the great and powerful Siskel and Ebert both respect the work of Gus Van Zandt, this one didn't do it for them and many others. Are you one of those others? Or did you like this film? Comment your comment in the comments! Even Cowgirls Get the Blues is a modern-day western road film with a feminine twist. The film had a horrible premiere at the Toronto Film Festival and the studio re-edited the film before its major release. But nothing could stop this cowgirl from getting the blues. Also in 1994 came Quentin Tarantino's Oscar-winning, groundbreaking, blockbuster masterpiece Pulp Fiction. And Uma received an Oscar nomination, well-deserved. And Oscar host David Letterman did a hilarious riff on the new wave of unusual Hollywood names. 
Oprah? Uma? Uma? Oprah? I feel much better. Have you kids met Keanu? Uma is great as Mia, perfect casting, you just can't take your eyes off her. But Uma Thurman did have her doubts about taking on this hot mess of a character, until Quentin Tarantino read her the script over the phone and met with her. They hung out for hours talking about movies and quickly becoming BFFs. Best friends forever. Every line Uma Thurman says and snorts is magnificent. She gets to dance, she gets to overdose, and she even gets to pitch Kill Bill, like a decade before it happened. The set of Pulp Fiction is actually where the idea of Kill Bill was born. Quentin was inspired by his talented actress and wrote an epic kung fu revenge story, just for her. And in Pulp Fiction, just like Vincent Vega, the whole world fell in love with this fierce, forbidden female overnight. It was a show about a team of female secret agents called Fox Force 5. What? Fox Force 5. Fox is in we're a bunch of foxy chicks. Force is in we're a force to be reckoned with. And 5 is in there's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 of us. Next, Uma did a series of well-received romantic comedies. She was in the rom-com Beautiful Girls, where she played one of the beautiful girls. Another rom-com called A Month by the Lake. And yet another rom-com, The Truth about cats and dogs with Janine Garofalo. 1998 was the year of Gattaca, where she met Ethan Hawke. They soon married and had two kids. One went on to be the girl in Stranger Things, but Hawke and Thurman's marriage would end in divorce because Hollywood. But back to Gattaca, it is a wonderful sci-fi social commentary that takes place in the not-too-distant future. So watch out, guys. Gattaca's coming. She is stunning in this futuristic world full of wonderful set design. I love it. Look at that. Looks cool. It's not my favorite sci-fi utopia thriller, but it's definitely thought-provoking. And I love it when my thoughts are provoked. And I guess her and Ethan have some chemistry. Yeah, I guess so. You guys see any chemistry there? Comment your comment in the comments! Many critics praised the sci-fi neo-noir flick but audiences were not too impressed with it at the time upon its release. But flash forward to the not-too-distant future, and Gattaca has become a cult hit. So are you part of the cult of Gattaca? Then she got to live every evil little girl's dream and became a supervillain in the film Batman and Robin. It's an infamously horrendous superhero flick. Some call it the worst of all time, but I think it's fun and silly and it has a special place in my art. Maybe it's Poison Ivy's hypnotic spell, but I really enjoy this stupid mess of a motion picture. Uma actually loved that she was encouraged to go over the top in this one, and sometimes the top needs to be gone over. It's a wonderful and horrible film at the same time. Sorry. My vines have a crush on you. <laughs> Gotta go! So many people to kill, so little time. 
First, she conquered the world of Batman, then it was time for Uma Thurman to take over the world of the Avengers. Not those Avengers, though. The ones based on the old British TV show. What, they have TV shows in Britain? Uma got to kick butt, and that's always nice. I haven't seen the film since I was a kid, but I, I liked it then, <laughs> so you, you know how that goes. The British Avengers bombed at the box office. But it's not Uma's fault, don't get mad at her, she tries her best. And then she worked with Woody Allen in the sweet and lowdown. Now say what you want about Woody Allen, but he is one of my favorite filmmakers who married his daughter. And there's no doubt that Woody is blessed in the art of writing terrific dialogue. And not every thespian can just spit out Woody's words, but Uma held her own. And she does just fine in this very interesting film about jazz and the people who make jazz. He could only feel pain for his music, such as the ego of genius. Must get used to it. Then she gave a very disappointing performance in the film The Golden Bowl. Many critics said that she was miscast and the role was out of her range as an actress. Ooh, major diss. But that's okay, at least she tried. And that's more than most people can say. Uma then joined the ensemble cast in Chelsea Walls, an art film directed by her then-husband Ethan Hawke. Then she worked with Ethan Hawke again in Richard Linkletter's Tape. It's a very interesting little film shot on a low-quality digital camera to give an intense slap of realism in your face. And the entire film takes place in one hotel room. Just great actors acting. Like a play, but with a shaky, grainy digital video camera. Uma is so great in this one and she's very mysterious as well. You never know what she's gonna do next. I highly recommend it if you, if you like movies that only rely on like story it just it gets rid of everything just people in a room talking and i, I was actually just gonna watch a little bit of this to you know to, to research and i ended up just watching the whole thing i couldn't stop i was like wow this tape has got me stuck i loved you i did i was totally in love with you that night did you love me she played a working-class Jersey girl in the HBO drama Hysterical Blindness. Uma calls this project a labor of love. She was the executive producer and won a Golden Globe. Go, Uma, go! She took a paycheck for the film Paycheck. It's a sci-fi Ben Affleck flop. Paycheck! I like to call this one a John Woo misfire. On paper, it should have been a great flick based on a Philip K. Dick novel. You've got a skilled action filmmaker behind the camera with two hotshot talents leading the way. But no, it's not a great flick. But at least she got a paycheck for a paycheck. How good am I on this thing? You okay? Then Uma and Quentin finally got around to making their other masterpiece, Kill Bill, which he wrote for her, you remember? And he even postponed the film around Uma's pregnancy. Even though the studio was pressuring him, Quentin Tarantino never considered casting anyone but Uma. It's a kung fu film magically mixed with a spaghetti western with all sorts of anything exploitation-ish 
thrown in there. Tarantino takes all of his favorite aspects of these genres and mashes them together into a delicious dish of cinematic revenge. A dish best served cold, even though it's so damn hot. To understand the character and style of this unique film that Quentin was trying to make, Uma Thurman studied movies like John Woo's The Killer, Coffee, Lady Snowblood, and more. She also endured three months of brutal training with a martial arts master. Uma trained like a kung fu fighting Olympian, and she claims that learning kung fu was very empowering. Before shooting, Miss Thurman was a little out of shape because she just had a baby, so those workouts were rough. And Uma Thurman dropped 60 pounds. That's right, 6-0-L-B-S. While she was also training in swordplay and learning to speak Japanese. She went from knowing absolutely nothing about martial arts to becoming a master herself. And by the end of the training, she was a wonderful warrior woman, full of deadly skills that shine on the silver screen. And then came, now that's what I call Kill Bill, Volume 2. And Uma and her sword finished up this bloody tale of vengeance. This time, the vibe was more spaghetti western rather than kung fu flick. But don't worry, there's still plenty of kung fu. Incredible kung fu, if I do say so myself. Not that I would know, I mean, I, I'm not a... But, it, but it, it looks good to me. There's less of a body count in Kill Bill Volume 2, but more of the story unfolds in this volume, featuring many incredible sequences like when the bride is buried alive, and the trailer park girl-on-girl -girl showdown between Uma and Hana. Because of the success of the Kill Bills, Uma Thurman was able to earn a $12.5 million salary in 2005's Be Cool, the sequel to Get Shorty. She got to dance with John Travolta again, and it was cool, because those two know how to be cool. Even though her career was skyrocketing, Uma Thurman's personal life was falling apart which I will gossip about right now. Like most Hollywood marriages, or marriages in general, her marriage to Ethan Hawke came to an end. Rumors of Ethan's infidelity were everywhere. It was so scandalous. The tale of Hollywood's it couple was over, and Uma opened up on Oprah. And Oprah made everything better again. Uma Oprah, Oprah Uma. I think that's great. <laughs> And then she was in the film Prime with Meryl Streep. People keep telling me that Meryl Streep is a great actress, so this must mean that Uma Thurman is also a great actress because she's able to keep up with the Meryl. She impressed us with her singing and dancing in the musical The Producers. It's a smash hit about producers trying not to make a smash hit, and it becomes a smash hit because Nazis? Then there was my super ex-girlfriend. A lackluster attempt from director Ivan Reitman. Luke Wilson stumbles his way through this unfunny, unsuper, superhero, funny movie. The entire film comes from the concept, what if your crazy ex-girlfriend had superpowers? Which seems like it could be a funny SNL skit or something, but to draw that joke out for an entire full-length motion picture, it's a little much. 
and all that anyone seems to remember about this movie is Uma Thurman throwing a shark in Luke Wilson's apartment. Then she took a more dramatic turn in the life before her eyes. She wanted to remind everyone that she's still a dramatic actress. She did well. And in 2008, she had a less than stellar return to the rom-com world with the films, The Accidental Husband, Motherhood, and Playing for Keeps. All of these romantic comedies received horrid reviews. And anyone who took their dates to these movies ended up breaking up. That's how bad these romantic comedies are. That's a, that's a true fact. Ah! So she was in a career slump, and her next movie didn't help her one bit. Didn't help anyone one bit. That movie was the infamously horrendous movie called Movie 43. She plays Lois Lane. And this is an unfunny, gross mess of a movie that somehow managed to get an all-star cast. It's like, Uma, what are you doing in this one? I know that you want to have fun and that it's it's nice to have fun and that you have a sense of humor and you want to show the world you have a sense of humor, but sometimes that doesn't work. Especially if it's this kind of humor. And that kind of humor is is the, the unfunny kind. <laughs> oh, oh, Lois. No. oh my god! Yeah. Nice to see you! Nice to be seen! Oh my oh, goodness! But she did have another slight comeback with her Emmy-nominated performance on Smash. A show about the behind-the-scenes drama of the musical world. She played Medusa in a fun little part in Percy Jackson and the Olympians, The Lightning Thief. It was nice to see Uma have fun as a super-powered villain again. Now this one ain't no Poison Ivy, but... It's still really, really neat and evil. Love it. Heads up. Then Uma Thurman returned to what made her a star in the first place. Controversial, heavily sexual, erotic material. And there was plenty of that in the films Nymphomaniac, Volume 1, and Nymphomaniac, Volume 2. From madman filmmaker Lars von Trier. Now I really like me some Lars von Trier, depending on my mood, but I don't even think I'm allowed to watch this movie. It features real sex, by the way. Not acting like it's, it's, it's real. They're really, really doing it, and the cameras really, really show it, so I hear. So it's pretty much artsy-fartsy porno. But all, all I can say about the Nymphomaniac movies is that I felt like I needed an STD test just after watching the trailers. So, uh, yeah. So I'm gonna skip these, but you can watch them and let me know what you thought. Comment your comment in the comments. Actually, you know what, never mind, don't tell me what you thought of these. Just keep that to yourself. She did the TV miniseries The Slap in 2015 and had a hilarious appearance on American Dad. Then came more less than stellar forgettable films like Burnt, The Con is On, and Down a Dark Hall. So she stepped away from the silver screen and traded it in for the stage. In 2017, Uma Thurman made her Broadway debut in the political play The Parisian Woman. Donald J. Trump was elected during the development of the play, so they added real-world political events to the narrative to keep it fresh. 
Uma was doing eight shows a week and says it was the most challenging role of her career. You know what they say, if you're not a Democrat when you're young, you don't have a heart. If you're not a Republican when you're old, you don't have a brain. <laughs> Uma Thurman then worked with that crazy person named Lars von Trier again with the film The House That Jack Built. This time, Matt Dillon, Uma, and von Trier disturb us with graphic violence. It was so violent that many people walked out of this two-and-a-half-hour film during its premiere at Cannes. So that means the film that Lars built is either really good or really bad. Uma plays Lady Number One, and, uh, spoiler alert to this serial killer movie, Lady Number One is, is killed off in the first ten minutes, but there's still two hours and twenty minutes left, so keep watching if... If, if you care to see Jack build that house. Woo, Lars von Trier, I, I respect you, but sometimes, sometimes you're, you're a little much. Uh, uh, and just like drama on the screen, there is drama in real life. Uma Thurman had to deal with an ugly custody battle with her billionaire ex-fiance. It's all just nasty, nasty stuff, especially when billions of dollars of money and children are involved. It, 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 always, it always gets nasty. And it was all over the tabloids, and thank God for Wendy Williams for keeping me up to date on all the juicy celebrity gossip. Thanks, girl. Love ya. You know, he also claims that she blew through six to seven nannies last year and treated, you know, the pregnancy like it was a business deal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sometimes you have to know who you lay with. Ooh. <laughs> it's true. So just like the bride, Uma Thurman had a man who wronged her. And now, it was time for her to get revenge. And that man was not named Bill. No. That man was named Harvey. Harvey Weinstein. Allegedly, Harvey Weinstein attacked Uma Thurman. Twice forcing himself upon her in hotel rooms. You know, the Harvey way. This was back in the 90s, and she didn't feel comfortable telling her story until recently. Harvey denies the claims, by the way. Uma Thurman has great regrets for not speaking up sooner and feels responsible for the abuse that happened to other women after her. Understandably so. Holly Weird is a dirty, sick place full of dirty, sick people doing dirty, sick things. And Uma Thurman's issues with Weinstein would greatly affect her relationship with Tarantino, who apparently didn't take the issue as serious as he should have for years. Maybe all wasn't as friendly as it seemed in the universe of Quentin and Uma, which this whole situation is so very ironic since the Kill Bill films strongly represent female empowerment, but yet they were produced by this blob of filth. No judgment. And I haven't even mentioned the infamous injury on the set of Kill Bill yet. That's right, Uma Thurman was greatly injured on the set of Kill Bill when a furious, those are in quotes, a furious Tarantino forced Uma to perform an unsafe driving stunt in a car that Uma called the Death Box. Tarantino thought it was safe. He even did a test drive himself. But it didn't go so well for Uma, and this car accident permanently damaged her knees and her neck. The crash was captured on film, and in order to sue the studio, Uma needed the footage, but the studio wouldn't hand over the footage unless she agreed not to sue. So I don't know how that works. It took 15 years for the studio to release the crash footage. Tarantino has since deeply apologized 
and has expressed great regret for making his best friend do the stunt. And actually Tarantino helped Uma get the footage released, so, so he did that. And he feels very, very sorry for breaking Uma's trust. But I hear she has forgiven him and is open to working together again. I mean, she can't be too mad. She let her daughter work with him in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, so, so there's that. But I really, really do hope that Quentin Tarantino and Uma Thurman work together again. Which better be soon, because Quentin Tarantino claims that he only has one more film left in him. And I'm not sure if Kill Bill Volume 3 counts as one more film, or if that's included in Volume 1 and 2 as one film. I, I don't know, the, 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 the Tarantino universe is, is complicated. But I actually would rather see these BFF frenemies reunite and do something original. Who cares about Volume 3? Just give us something new and good. Uma, Quentin, do it! You know what, now that I'm thinking about it, she don't need Tarantino. Mm-mm, nuh-uh. This independent woman can make it on her own. But it would be nice to see her reunite with Quentin. I don't know, you know, I'm just saying. Recently, Uma Thurman has been keeping busy with the TV series Chambers. So if you need your Uma fix, you can always check her out on Netflix. And just let me know if you need to use my password. So after decades of memorable characters, Uma has left her mark on the art of cinema. You know, and not just a mark, no, 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 she chopped it up and tore it apart. In a good way. And there's still more to come. So nobody should give a fuck about what the fuck happened to Uma Thurman. Because you know what? She's still a badass, she's still doing it, she's still got the goods. And I can feel good things coming. I know that any day now, Uma will surprise us with yet another comeback. I feel it. Because you know what? Movies need her. Like popcorn. So I just want to say thank you very much to Miss Uma Thurman for making such amazing, amazing films. She has been beaten and bruised by the ugliness of Hollyweird, both on screen and in real life. But she still stands strong, like a true cinematic samurai. Keep fighting, Uma. Keep fighting.